Welcome to Wild Women, an intersectional feminist-focused radio show. I'm your host, Lux karpov Kinraid, U.S. A-to-day best-selling author, screenwriter, director, and voiceover actor. Tonight, we'll be talking about medicine, namely the unique struggle women have in getting adequate medical care. With us tonight is Dr. Iris Crawford, N.D., a naturopathic physician, national women's health and hormone expert, who's commonly referred to as the hormone boss, founder and CEO of Nature Cure Wellness, creator of the Empowered Women's Health Project, and author of Everything's Not Normal, The Empowered Women's Guide to Getting the Healthcare You Deserve. She'll be talking about the unique struggles women have in receiving adequate healthcare, and we'll also be talking with Kat karpov Kinraid. That's right. The last name is not a coincidence. My daughter, who's going to share her experiences as a high school student in getting health care with her illnesses. We're here today talking with Dr. Iris Crawford, a naturopathic physician and national women's health and hormone expert who is often known as the hormone boss. And she's going to be talking about some of the issues that women face in getting chronic illness treated and just in getting any kind of medical services in this country. Uh, It's so great to have you on the show today for Wild Women. Thank you for joining us. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about your work and what you do and how you got into this? Sure. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. Um, So I got into naturopathic medicine. um, You know, it was a very long journey. I I grew up um, kind of in a a poor family. We weren't very healthy. We, um, you know, had like food bank food and all of this. And I saw, you know, watched my family struggling for years. Um, And then I met someone in my, when I was a teenager who she was going to a naturopath and I, that kind of blew my mind, um, the idea of health. And I kind of, at some point, um, early on made a connection that the way out from poverty really could be through health, um, and what that might open up for you, you know, for your life. And so that is kind of how I initially got into this. And then about 15 years of college later, I finally became a naturopathic doctor, (laughs) And I was reading, you have, so we're, this, this will be airing end of September. Your book will already be out or is it out this week? Is it already out? It came out on Friday. Last Friday. Okay. Okay. So your book is out. Yay. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and I, I, I was reading through your book and uh, you, you started in like a traditional medical, medical school. Is that correct? Like, or, or pre-med you were starting in, or did so- I misread that? I was in a particular naturopathic medical school um, for the initial few years okay. of my education. And then I ended up transferring to a different naturopathic medical school. So um, they were very different schools, but they're both one of the, the handful of accredited naturopathic medical schools in North America. Okay. And... um. And you're known as the hormone boss. How did that happen? How did you become the hormone boss on the internet? Well, you know, I had a busy wellness center in Seattle um, called Nature Cure Wellness Center. And it's Nature Cure spelled the German way, N-A-T-U-R-K-U-R, one word. But no one knew how to pronounce it. No one knew what it was, really. It's not very easy to understand, um, self-explanatory, you know, so... Mm-hmm. It, you know, it just kind of came about organically where it's like, you know, you're, you're just the hormone boss because what you do is specializing in hormone health in, in women. And, and so when you have 
something that's kind of nicknamed that way, it's much easier to understand exactly what I do. And so I've been in the process of transitioning out and just becoming kind of me and my practice and how I help women. Uh, took, took my practice nationwide, all virtual, and, and closed the, the wellness center in Seattle. And so that's just been a natural progression. Okay. And so I know that so much of your work is around hormones, but you talk a lot about different chronic illnesses, different, um, different like, uh, health conditions that a lot of like women specifically are more inclined toward. What does that have to do with hormones and why are we, why are doctors missing it when we go into the doctors? Why is it such a difficult thing to get diagnosed? That's a great question. So First of all, our hormones have a lot more to do with just our periods, right? So these hormones play a role in inflammation in the body, um, all of our, you know, our cognitive abilities, our moods, um, all kinds of different things. And so it's really integral. All these hormones are integral to our health. Now, hormone issues are not the only things that are ignored, you know, kind of or not really, they're, they're overlooked, I might say, um, where women are going to their doctors and they're saying, you know, something's going on, could it be my hormones? And these are things like low energy, anxiety, depression, low libido, um, you know, foggy brain, chronic pain, headaches, all these types of things that a lot of women don't know that might be related to hormones necessarily, right? Um, but they're going to their doctors and 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 they, the doctor might run some tests and then they all come back normal. They used to say, well, everything's normal. You just, you know, you're just getting older, you know, or something like that. So, um, but the, the, the fact is, is that it's, it's all of these health issues that women in particular are suffering from more so than men. So for example, I talk in the book about hypothyroidism and autoimmune disease and, mm-hmm. um, and then some specific women conditions like endometriosis and, and some of these tough, you know, things that, that we know are related directly to hormones. They're also very difficult to diagnose in the standard conventional system that we have set up. And women will go years without a diagnosis um, and many specialists uh, in, in fact, with autoimmune disease, I think the statistic is, I think it's like, you know, four to six specialists over the course of, you know, four to six years kind of a thing just to get a diagnosis finally. Um, and so there is, there is a particular, uh, something missing with women's health, just with the conventional, uh, model. Yeah. I mean, I know that we talked a little bit about this in prep, but I, as a woman with multiple, uh, autoimmune diseases and chronic illness spent have spent decades going from doctor to doctor. And even, even getting my hypothyroid diagnosed took years. And a doctor who finally said, this isn't technically out of the bounds of what the conventional, you know, listing is, but it's low for you. Uh, He was the first doctor who saw that like my levels were not functioning the way they should. I was having symptoms of hypothyroid without being technically outside the realm. And I know in your book, you talk about how even that range for, for thyroid isn't really what is recommended for the range and really eliminates a lot of people who need proper thyroid supplementation and help, right? Yep. So even yes. so even our just like our diagnostic tools, even when they work, we're not comparing them to the correct kinds of data that they that they need to be compared to. 
Exactly. We're not keeping up on as new information comes out, new data, new research. We're not keeping up with that because we're really kind of stuck in this, um, you know, insurance model that was kind of founded on male physiology, which I didn't, you know, kind of talk about, but women have different, um, kind of different physiology, different biochemistry. And so those things aren't taken into account. Uh, it's like, that, that information with the thyroid ranges came out, I think, in 2003, um, and, but it was not adopted. And if we were to narrow that range of what normal is, uh, then a lot more women would find relief from these kind of subpar, you know, functional symptoms of hypothyroidism. Yeah. And so often, I think, uh, if, just in my experience and an experience of speaking with others about this, the, the response, like you said, is, well, you're just getting old. Well, you're in your 40s now, so this is going to happen. And before you're in your 40s or just getting old, it's, well, you're a new mom. Of course, you're going to be X, Y, Z, tired, in chronic pain, brain fog, this and that. Well, your kids are still young. It, there's always a reason why we're just conditioned to feel miserable all the time. And there's no relief for that. Like being tired, having brain fog, being in pain just seems to be the status quo we're supposed to accept as women. <laughs> And as, as we age, especially and very dismissive, right? Yeah. And, and just, just like, it's kind of hopeless. If that's, if this, if this is just going to get worse from here, then what, what's the point? <laughs> How do we deal with that? I know. Can you imagine like, especially if you're in your forties, like you've got half your life left to live, you know? And, um, so yeah, if you're just supposed to like tough it out, um, that's, that's not super helpful. It doesn't feel good to hear that. Now, I one of the things reading your book, and I already knew this, but just reading it again in black and white um, made me so angry all over again, is just how many studies, I'm going to put that in quotes, studies are done to address areas specifically related to women's health that don't even use women in the studies? What? You gave, you gave some examples in your book. I'm trying to remember. Well, what were some of the examples that you found in doing? Because I am... I'm like aghast, appalled. It's All the words. Own. So it was a breast cancer study, I think is one <laughs> that I cited, as well as I think a, a uterine cancer study. Yeah. So, I mean, it seems, it seems just crazy. Um, and that's actually, I was taking that uh, from a book um, by Maya Dusenberry. And I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, um, and she wrote a great book also that I, that I named in there that is about the same topic, um, how our conventional kind of medical model is keeping women sick. Um, and, and so that's where, uh, she was citing some of these studies and I, I was, I, I couldn't believe it when I read that myself either, even already knowing everything that I know, I, I was, I was shocked. <laughs> yeah. Cause I've read a lot. Of, I mean, and we talked about this a little bit too before about, you know, I know that a lot of just about everything designed in our society is designed for um, white men. And even then white men of a certain era uh, when things were implemented. And, and so there's a lot that actually causes like physical harm and higher rates of death in our, like just from how cars are designed to how uh, life jackets and like just all the different things that women, you know, women in military wearing, combat armor is designed for men. And so I knew that, I knew that, but this just seemed like an extra level of just audacity 
to do yeah. studies not using women for women's health issues. And it's been such a frustration as a woman going to receive treatment. So even when you do get a diagnosis, there's often no treatment. There's often no follow through with how yes. how a disease is handled. So it's like, I got fibromyalgia, I got this and that, but everyone's just like, sorry, these are incurable. We don't know how they're caused. We don't know how they're fixed. Good luck. Such a profound point, which well, I, I believe that there's a lack of curiosity in medicine nowadays, like conventional medicine, because when they say, oh, it's just because you're getting older, um, or if they provide a diagnosis that is inaccurate, um, and then also don't offer any treatment options, like there's no investigation, there's no curiosity or like, hmm, I wonder what could be causing this or whatever. And, and I do think that there are some, some, it, there's some constraints around why that is, right? If you're, so most doctors who are accepting insurance, for example, they are only allowed, according to the insurance company, they're only allowed to spend so much time with each patient. There's no time that you can spend outside of patient care because you have to be, like all the doctoring is done with the patient right in front of you and then taking notes and charting all the codes that the insurance requires, um, and, and if you're lucky enough to have a medical assistant doing the, the, the admin part of that for insurance for you, that's great. But still, your face-to-face -face time is pretty much all that there is. There's no time to go and read up on what are other doctors doing for this. Let's mm -hmm. connect with each other and try to figure things out, right? Um, now, I do... Um, just to plug my profession, naturopathic medicine is not that way. Um, there are a lot of naturopathic doctors who just do primary care, general family medicine, and they do take insurance and all that. So they're kind of, they, they do have some limitations, but the way we're trained is to always, always be looking for the root cause. We don't take, we, just because we don't know what caused it, that doesn't necessarily mean that we can't still go look for the cause. And in functional medicine and naturopathic medicine, we do feel that we understand at least a little bit about the cause of autoimmune disease. Um, so in conventional model, they'll say, we don't know what causes it and there's no cure. Well, in naturopathic and functional medicine, that's not how we look at it. We actually do um, feel because there's always research, new research coming out about this and how autoimmune disease is related to gut health, for example. Mm -hmm. And so, the, you know, this new field of the microbiome and, and all that, this is stuff that is not going to get into the conventional model for decades, if at all. You're listening to Wild Women on KZYX. This is Lux Karpovkin Raid, your host, and we're talking to Dr. Iris Crawford about women in medicine and the difficulty for women in getting adequate medical care. Why do people who end up with a chronic uh, or like an autoimmune disease often have more than one? That's that can't be. And I know in your book you talk about that, but that's that always felt to me like that's not a coincidence. I know these aren't the same diseases, but they're in the same person, so there has to be some commonality here. Exactly. I think it's much more <clears throat> helpful for the person when your provider can look at at the a whole person perspective and be in it's not easy, you know, and, and it's always a practice, right. And it's always a learning curve. Um, and that's why it's so important, um, you know, for that curiosity to remain, but also to take the ego out of it and like, okay, I may be overeducated, but I still 
there's a lot I still don't know. And it's, it's easy for me to say, you know what, I don't know. And I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to talk with some colleagues and see what I can find out, or, you know, I'm going to do some research. <laughs> um, and that is so much more helpful for the person who's, you know, coming for help. And, and especially, um, you know, there's, like I talk about in the book where, you know, a woman might go in complaining of low back pain, and then she gets sent to physical therapy because they think it's a musculoskeletal issue instead of, um, you know, maybe a pelvic, you know, issue with her, her ovaries or, or something else because there's all this fascia in there. And so it's kind of, if you're just sending to different body parts, just like you said, yes. it's not looking at, at the person, you know, from a whole person perspective. Yes, it's very Frankenstein's doctor's approach to <laughs> to human yeah. health. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's about what we'll end up in the end, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, there's obviously. I mean, I would I would argue there's obviously like the patriarchy is the reason there's so little done on women's bodies testing and women's health. Um, is that shifting? Are we getting like? Is any of what we're trying to do to gain more? equal, you know, equality in all aspects of, of our lived existence. Are we starting to get more health cover, like more health studies that are actually done with women, about women, for women's issues? Is that improving at all? Or are we still just stuck in this regressive state with all the information that we have? I absolutely believe it's improving. Um, so first of all, it's hard to, to accept that we aren't as far as we think we are. Um, you know, it's some, some of us were in, you know, blissfully ignorant about the patriarchy and how, where we really are at this moment in time. Um, I had my eyes opened in 2016 and I just feel like I have then become, you know, very passionate about getting this message out and helping empower women with the knowledge because, you know, we're all the consumers of the healthcare system. And so we are the ones in control, honestly, and it's been shifting and we can tell it's been shifting because this new field of, uh, of functional medicine doctors, for example, you know, naturopathic doctors have been around for many, many years, but, um, but functional medicine doctors are, they've, uh, it kind of came out of medical doctor, MD doctors wanting, like seeing the issue. And, and they, they weren't um, happy with the status quo either. And so they wanted to uh, help their patients in a different way. And so they became um, more versed in kind of, say, nat natural therapies, right? Natural therapeutics um, and looking at patients from a little bit more of a whole person perspective and being curious and trying to find the root cause and, you know, some of that Um so they're, they're like the, the happy medium between naturopathic doctors and MD doctors. So we have now more options, right? And this is great because there aren't, there, there are a lot of naturopathic doctors, but I don't know exactly the exact number that are licensed naturopathic um, doctors that people have access to, but um, over half the states are now um, licensed or, you know, registered for accrediting naturopathic physicians as licensed doctors. Um, and so people don't have as much access to that. So now that there's functional medicine doctors too, those numbers, all the numbers are increasing. And I think that that tells us that we are, uh, headed in a different direction. 
Um, and honestly, I don't think that the insurance model is all that sustainable. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very difficult transition we're in right now, though, because there are people paying a lot of money for their insurance and then they're not getting anything from it. They're getting medic, you know, prescription medication and, and procedures. And because they're not paying for that, their insurance is paying for it. They don't even know how expensive those things are. Um, yeah. They become more expensive because insurance, um, I don't know, it's kind of a, a little bit of a mess. But, um, but to, be, to answer your question, I do think it's changing. I think that, um, you know, the health and wellness industry is growing massively. And I think it's all consumer-based. We, we want more. We want more from our health care. And do you think that will lead to more studies that specifically focus on women's <laughs> biology, physiology, and health? Absolutely. Yeah, I do. I think there's still a lot of problems with research, and especially when it comes to natural um, therapeutic modalities like botanical medicines and things like that, because um, there's a lot of things that they don't take into consideration because they're not as knowledgeable about the context Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not, you know, so luckily there are some research centers that are, dri- you know, driven, funded by naturopathic um, medicine universities and led by naturopathic physicians and things like that so that we can have really good quality research here in this country. Other countries are far beyond us as far as their research in natural medicine. Um, Israel, Germany, Japan are the top three I can think of that are just far beyond the U.S. as far as um, research in, because it's not so, it's not as driven by, by pharmaceutical companies as far as financially and the FDA and things like that, um, which, you know, double-edged sword, right? <laughs> yeah, it would be, I mean, I understand the need for uh, some oversight so we're not all just Wild Westing uh, medicine. Yeah. At, at the same time, for-profit, a for-profit medical system that's, fully steeped in capitalism breeds yes. problems. Oh, yes, yes. In fact, it made me so angry. I was reading an article the other day. I can't remember who it was like the, a governor's wife died. I think it was a governor. I mean, I'm not, I think it was a Florida governor, if I'm recalling this correctly, but um, his wife died and the coroner decided that it was, <clears throat> was taking an herb. And it was big news. Um, whereas, like, how many people die every day from, like, they're taking prescription medication according to the uh, instructions and, and everything. Um, but, but this herb, and, and I don't, you know, it was just kind of an eye roll for me because I'm like, this, this is, that is not why she died. I mean, it's, the herbs are so much safer. They have such a higher safety profile. Um, and so it's just really kind of interesting that that's, that's really big news. And then, so then they're saying, Oh, this is, see, this is why we have to have more regulation for natural products. They're very dangerous. <laughs> yeah. I think we need more regulation uh, on the system itself <laughs> and on the, and the thing is, is that um, pharmaceuticals. A, lot of, a lot of women are like, self-medicating they're googling they're 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 using dr google because they're not getting the help from their doctors and so they're just they're they're like okay well 
that that was a dead end. So then they're going online and they're saying what what to do for um, you know this symptom, <clears throat> and they're self medicating and doing the DIY healthcare because the system isn't working for them. Yeah, and that's sometimes. I mean, my my husband practically has a a degree in not not a real one, but just like a, a like he's got his doctor Google degree at this point. Yeah, and in, in the book I talk about how to, like like the problem with trying to find the right provider. You know, it is it's it's very difficult because people don't know the differences sometimes between different natural like holistic kind of providers mm-hmm. um, and and what might be missing if they're just seeing them, what they're getting, what they might be missing. Um, and, you know, honestly, there are some, there's good ones and bad ones, right? So there's that too. And you have it's to like find true anything. You align with and that who has integrity um, and that they are trained well enough not to give you bad advice. Um, I know a lot of people love um, the medical medium, for example, and I, I, I have nothing against someone out there giving someone, you know, health advice, uh, but when you're telling someone to take, to stop taking a medication and, and, you know, take their, their, uh, you know, miracle cure instead, it's, it, it's rough because yeah, it's just, it's very, very layered, uh, problem that we have. And, and even, even like thinking about all the women that I've talked to who said, Oh, I've already had my hormones tested. They, they were normal. Right. So then I have to go through the whole spiel of, right. Like, actually are they though <laughs> are they normal for you or for a textbook written by a man a hundred years ago tested and they do it this way and um and so yeah it's it, you know what it feels like almost because i'm you know i am my ideal client i mean i'm going through i'm 51 years old you know i'm uh you know, perimenopausal, uh, I have an autoimmune disease, you know, I have all this, I have a lot of stress in life. So I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on this road as well. Right. And, um, it kind of feels like being in a pinball machine, you're the ball and you're getting just batted back and forth everywhere. And mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's rough. It very much, it very much deals with, it very much feels like that. And so you, you you know what it's like to be the patient yep and you know what it's like to be a doctor who's working towards these things so what advice do you have for for women or for non-binary folks who have a, you know a hormone makeup that works for this to do what, what do we do <laughs> what, what do we do if we identify with the symptoms of being in chronic pain chronic fatigue or we've gotten the diagnosis of fibromyalgia or this or that but we've never gotten any kind of workable yeah. plan that, you know what do we what do we do what is the step we would take well i think it's it's really important to think about things that one person no matter how smart or great they are they're not going to be able to solve all of the problems with your health potentially okay mm-hmm. it depends on what you're dealing with if you've been sick for 10 years and it's debilitating you know it might take a few different, a team, right? Of mm-hmm. people who are different experts working together to get you to the place of feeling normal again. Um, and it also might take years because if it took a years to get there, then it might take, it might take a few years to, to get out of it. Um, and so that's the first thing that I would say. But the second thing is 
Yeah. The thing about adrenal and hormone health, which is kind of what I, what I specialize in. And, and the reason why I say adrenal is because um, my, the big message that I am kind of trying to send out is that stress affects women differently than it affects men in that it causes a very specific hormone imbalance. And this hormone imbalance is um, what causes a lot of the symptoms that we're experiencing. Um, and it can be, it could be menstrual irregularities. It could be, um, you know, things that are kind of obvious, but a lot of women are complaining of like fatigue or stubborn weight, like no matter what they eat or how much they exercise, they can't lose any weight. It could be um, PMS. It could be uh, anxiety, depression, um, foggy brain, memory problems. Um, it could even be, I mean, there's just so many things, but chronic pain, inflammation, um, headaches, those are even some of the, because these hormones are steroid hormones. They're, they're um, anti-inflammatory. And so stress- I feel like you're just reading my medical file right now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so I guess my, my, what I, the advice that I would give is that this specific hormonal imbalance issue, every woman has it because this is just, this is our biochemistry. It, we were built to fight off the bear or run from the bear, right? Instead of procreate when we were under stress and there's a hormonal pathway that makes that happen. And so we all have stress. I don't know anyone who doesn't have stress. So if you have stress- even alive. <laughs> we just- feel very stressed, but if you have, you know, we all have stress. It's, um, it could be traffic or deadlines or, um, you know, living through a two year pandemic. Oh my gosh. Kid, having kids, uh, <laughs> divorce or death of a loved one or moving to a different state or, you know, there's all kinds of things that we're dealing with. And, um, and so that leads to a hormone imbalance. And so if you have anything that you're dealing with at all, that's bothersome, it could be hard time falling asleep and staying asleep through the night. It could be, you know, um, even, I mean, there's just so many, all the things that I talked about, right. It could, any of those things, if you're dealing with any of those things, then you have to, you're never going to get complete resolution without looking at the adrenal and hormone part of it. And so it may not in and of itself, you know, solve all the things that you're dealing with, but it's such a huge core um, issue that dictates your sense of well-being that it has to be addressed uh, because you know you might think about oh do I need a gut health expert or do I need a person who's an expert in the nervous system or do I need you know even if it's naturopathic because even naturopathic doctors we have different niches mm -hmm. different expertise <clears throat> and specialties um, like a dear friend of mine she specializes in oncology um, and you know just. My, and then another friend specializes in gut health and autoimmune disease because those two go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. For me, adrenal and hormones go hand in hand, and that's my core specialty. So I'm able to dive really deep and um, help women feel better really fast and then also get the long-term results. They're not constantly having to take a bunch of supplements long-term in order to feel good, you know? Um, so so that's, that's kind of the advice that I would give. What you do about it is... I definitely would say start looking at addressing the adrenal and hormone part of it um, because regardless of whether it solves all of your health issues, 
you're, you will still feel better. You, your, your hormones will be balanced, right? And that's right. so important. I mean, it lowers risk of cancer, lower, you know, it, it um, improves so many different things, you know, libido or could improve your relationships, could improve if you're feeling like um, irritability or, you know, short tempered or just exhausted at the end of a work day and you can't be there for your family. Um, so all of these things, these are quality of life issues. And so without that, you know, it's going to be harder to deal with any of the other things. Right. It sounds like this is like getting your foundation strong enough to then, if there are other layers of your health that need addressed, this is giving you the foundation to be able to address them. Exactly. Because your ability to handle stress, um, it also affects your body's ability internally to keep homeostasis and have that balance of the inflammation, all the, all, all the other things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hormones are not only related to our neurotransmitters, you know, the you know, serotonin and dopamine and all that, but they're also related to the pH of our vaginal tissue and secretions. And then how many organisms are in there the, and, and all throughout your whole GI tract even. And so it, it, it affects so many other things. It is very core to our entire health. You're listening to Wild Women on KZYX. This is Lux Karpovkin Raid, your host, and we're talking with Dr. Iris Crawford about the importance of hormones in women's health. And so you said that you have, that you've taken your practice international or, or just... We're not quite international yet, although we are rolling out um, an international program. We're nationwide, We're nationwide. In the works, but right now nationwide, yeah. And that's, um, people can just set up an appointment with you online? Or- yes, I will, I will put in um, a caveat there. There are three states that don't allow consumers to purchase tests on their own. All of the other states, except for those three, can purchase retail, um, their own tests online. So there's, um, and, and so that, that does limit if, so if you live in New York, New Jersey, or Rhode Island, those consumers are not allowed to do self tests, um, retail tests. So it's, it's, um, kind of unfortunate, but, uh, but for others, because I work um, on a more coaching basis nationwide rather than um, doctoring, and I have a comprehensive program where I, um, they have to be able to access uh, the right testing uh, in the right way, which is salivary adrenaline hormone testing. I have a, um, a panel that I've designed. So that would, that's the only thing as far as it's nationwide, but there's some limitations Mm-hmm. living in those states, unfortunately. And then how does it work once, if somebody wanted to work with you, what, what is the process and what, like, what do you take, what process do you take your, your patients through your clients through? So typically I do offer, um, kind of a free consult actually initially, because, um, there's a, a small investment required as far as the, the program. It's uh, six months of working together it, it usually takes, I'd say I see about 80% resolution of, of a myriad of symptoms within that time frame, And so that's how long it is. And, and they have unlimited access to uh, me and my team during that time, one-on-one, um, as well as all the labs are included. Uh, and, and so what I did was I kind of created something that got 
the results were skyrocketing over, you know, when I was taking insurance, for example, or just doing a single mm-hmm. business here and there. And then if this, then that kind of situation, mm-hmm. I just give everything that I know is going to get them better um, in that type of thing. So the first step is always uh, just booking a free consult because that way we can see if we're a good fit. I can, you know, kind of assess the situation um, and see if I can, if I can help. Okay. And what kinds of, like with doing the kinds of treatments that you do with addressing the adrenal and hormonal, what kind of results have you seen with women who have been struggling with what so many of us are struggling with, like with chronic illness or chronic, like fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue or any of these autoimmune diseases that are just like, what, what kind of results have you had with your work? Well, first of all, the results are incredible. I have, um, the always improvements in their labs if if they're following the our guidelines and the timeline um, and and improvements of other symptoms they may not have expected but a lot of the women don't have a diagnosis for some of the other things that that they've been dealing with and they didn't realize that they had an autoimmune disease or they didn't realize they had hypothyroidism those are two of the things um, that we see a lot they also maybe didn't realize they had a a subclinical anemia, you know, and, mm. and so it's, it's even beyond just what the adrenal and hormone health improving that takes you. It's, it's actually, um, there are some other things that are being missed that we can spot very easily because this is who we're working with every day. Right. So mm-hmm. we know to look for these things and we find them quite frequently. And what kind I'm um, in, in the six month. um, so is this modality the only like way you work with patients now? Is this a six-month program of working with the test results? And We do have a couple of other options, but I typically, depending, you know, if you're, if someone's dealing with something that's, you know, not all that big deal, it's not like really affecting their daily life, quality of life, that sort of thing, we have some other options, but I'll typically recommend the six-month time frame only because... I've, done, I've worked with thousands of women at this point, and, I've, and I know that that's how long it takes because we're looking at reversing a root cause issue, which mm-hmm. is adrenal fatigue. You know, we start right away working on it, balancing the hormones, but the long-term goal is to reverse the adrenal fatigue so that your body can make its own hormones in the right amount and the right balance. Um, and that's our goal is to send you away with a very easy maintenance plan um, where it's not a bunch of, you know, a bunch of different supplements that you have to take for the rest of your life. We want your body to be at the place where it's meant to be, where it can actually um, make the hormones. And it just, it's a, um, a little tweak to your stress response system that mm. helps you do that. And so that's, so we reverse the adrenal fatigue, balance the hormones, and then send you off with kind of a maintenance plan um, where your the root cause has been addressed. And this has resulted in women healing or experiencing significant relief from long-term problems of chronic health? Yes, yes. So chronic pain, um, a lot of the time, um, I'm just thinking of a particular person I had in mind where she couldn't hardly walk because she had um, really bad pain in her feet. And I knew, I well, I suspected that there was something else going on 
And I ended up referring her, in addition to her working with me on reversing the adrenal fatigue and the hormones, she had no hormones. Um, and so we had to really get her hormones back on board to bring the inflammation down. But I also ended up referring her to a colleague who is an expert in Lyme disease. And she then was diagnosed with Lyme disease. And so she didn't know that she had that. And both of those things were life-changing for her. That's incredible. And tell us about your book. What can people expect when they read your book? I mean, I've been reading your book and I've learned so much. And even though I've been researching a lot of this stuff for a long time because of my own health issues, it was still really eye-opening to see the direction you're going in with adrenal and hormonal imbalances in ways that I haven't read about before. So do you want to talk a little about that, what it's called and what you're hoping people get from it? Yes. So um, it's called Everything's Not Normal, The Empowered Woman's Guide to Getting the Health Care You Deserve. And my co-author, um, I have a lot of help from Dr. Danica, um, Dr. Danica Woods, and she works with me on helping, um, all of my clients with, um, you know, the hormone imbalance, the adrenal and hormone imbalances. And so what we did was we put together, we compiled, uh, stories from women who had gone to their doctor and tried, you know, tried seeking out help and they got the runaround or they were told just to tough it out or, um, you know, told they were just getting older, you know, all these things. And so it's kind of stories and it's just to, to highlight, um, you know, that, that if you've experienced that, this is, this is why, and you're not alone. Like it, we're, we're all experiencing that, but we may not talk about it too much. Um, and then I talk about my own, um, journey and uh, a little bit of, of that, just to kind of open that up for, for um, because I think it's important for us to be in community with each other on this. And it's, I think that we're going to move the needle a little bit more when, we, when we're empowered with knowing that we're not alone and that there's actually something that you can do about it, right? So I actually lay out in the whole book, I lay out my exact process. We um, lay out all the science behind adrenal and adrenal hormones and sex hormones, what they do, what adrenal fatigue is, the four stages of adrenal fatigue and our entire approach. So it's just laid out because I want people to um, get this help, you know? And so I'm just kind of uh, just laying it all out in the book. I'm kind of pulling the curtain back on my practice and uh, just kind of giving that information because it is, it's about empowering women. Well, thank you, Iris. And where can people find more information about the work that you do or even schedule an appointment with you if they're interested? Oh, they could go to my website. It's um, hormone-boss.com. And they can also find me on Instagram at hormone.boss. Wonderful. And your book is out where? Uh, where can you find on Amazon. Thank you so much. Are there any last words you want to share with our listeners before uh, we sign off? Yeah. If this, um, if this, if this uh, resonated with you, I think, you know, I'm hoping that a lot of women will be able to access that information and, and hopefully make some shifts, you know, some mindset shifts too, because I think it's really important that we also look at that um, when we do the self-care and, and, and invest in our wellness, that it really moves the needle for not only you and your daily quality of life, but your family, your community, and maybe you can do some things that make a bigger impact in the world. Honor the journey wherever you're at and, um, and hopefully we'll be able to collectively move forward sooner rather than later. 
I hope so. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You're listening to Wild Women on KZYX. This is Lux karpov Kinraid, your host. And we were just talking with Dr. Iris Crawford about the difficulties that women have in getting adequate diagnosis and medical treatment. Up next is my own daughter, Kat karpov Kinraid, who's a junior at Ukiah High School. And she wanted to share her story about the challenges that she had in getting diagnosed, uh, because uh, largely because maybe due to your gender or gender presentation. Yeah, so... My name is Kat. Uh, I have ADHD, and I feel like it was pretty clear when I was younger that I had ADHD. I was not, I mean, that was a joy in the classroom, but... Pure delight. Pure, purely delightful, but I was not very, I couldn't sit still. I had to, like, stand up all the time. I blurted answers in class. I was very smart, but I was not very well behaved, and... I mean, my teacher did tell me she doesn't believe in ADHD and did tell me that my ADHD is a personal failure on my part, which probably didn't help me getting diagnosed. But um, a lot of the standard for ADHD diagnosis is based on boys, specifically younger boys, who have specifically hyperactivity in ADHD, which isn't the only way that it manifests in people. So it's kind of really dangerous to have that be the standard when there are so many people who have like attention deficit ADHD or like just not showing the symptoms as much as a 12-year-old boy would. Yeah. And as we heard earlier in the show with Dr. Iris Crawford, she talked about how so many of the standards uh, that we have for diagnosing various illnesses or ailments are based on standards uh, developed for men, specifically white men back in the 50s and earlier. And that even with like uh, problems specifically related to to female anatomy, they use men for testing. And <laughs> it was part of the earlier show. It's, it's kind of insane. It's insane that we still use these standards to try to diagnose uh, an entirely diverse population that doesn't just consist of white men. Yeah, that's... It's crazy, and it doesn't make a lot of sense, and it just kind of shows how much the medical system doesn't care about women or and doesn't care about the specific issues that they go through, and a lot of the time, female issues will be written off as hysteria or, like, your period or you're being overdramatic, and it's just not fair to women who are experiencing really dangerous things, and if they go untreated, could, like, be life-threatening and awful, so... What was your experience like as we went through the process of getting you diagnosed? I mean, I was there, so I know. But <laughs> So I, my therapist told me that she thought I had ADHD when I was in eighth grade or like just out of eighth grade. And that made a lot of sense to me, but no one had ever said that before. So it was pretty confusing. And then as we were trying to get diagnosed, it was really difficult because a lot of doctors told me that if I actually did have ADHD, someone would have noticed it before. And if one doctor said that, he said, I had a child who had ADHD come in once and he never could have sat down still as long as you are. And I was just like, well, that was a 12-year-old boy. I am a 15-year-old girl. Like, those are not the same situations. And also, it's important to note that everyone who, most people who have, like, ADHD learn how to mask eventually. And if you don't know, masking is 
basically pretending you don't have it and acting like everyone else does. And I feel like girls learn how to do that a lot younger than guys do because when you're a young boy, everything you do gets written off as, oh, boys will be boys, like he's just having fun. And if you're a girl, those same behaviors will be punished and told that you're you should sit still and be a lady so obviously even if two people a boy and a girl have the exact same symptoms and manifestation of adhd one of them is going to get suppressed a lot more than the other and thus will be harder to get diagnosed basically girls are programmed and trained to play nice yeah to accommodate other people's feelings and to be what other people want them to be Mm -hmm. so they get better at masking exactly and a lot of people act like, oh, if you really had ADHD, it would be physically impossible for you to do this. But it's it's not. It's It was physically impossible at one point, but there comes a point where survival goes over anything else and you can't just keep acting, even if that's the most natural way for you to be, like something that's going to get you in trouble all the time. So it's just not something that is sustainable for young girls to act, even if it's the natural and correct way for them to be acting for their like mental learning disability, which is what ADHD is. And it's just, it's just really rough for girls to not be able to have that freedom. And then for that to even more restrict them later in life when they're trying to get treatment and diagnosis. And one, one thing that was especially difficult for you is that you're very smart and accomplished. You do a lot of tasks. You, you're involved in charity work and or, or volunteer work. You, have a job, you go to, you know, you're, you participate in after school activities and you're in eight, multiple AP classes and get straight A's most of the time. So one doctor didn't think you could have ADHD just because your grades were too high. Yeah. And I thought that was really unfair because I think that, yes, I am really smart not to to my own horn <clears> or anything. <throat> and I do get really good grades, but the pressure that I'm under to like act like everyone else and to be a certain way is really hard. And it's just not like my experience in academics is not like someone who's neurotypical. And it's I just feel like I and other people who have ADHD deserve to get the grades and academic achievement that they want to get that their neurotypical peers get access to naturally. Because like, sure, if I get Bs and ADHD is inhibiting my work, whatever, but if I didn't have ADHD, I would be getting As and I feel like I deserve As and just as much as everyone else does. So I don't know if that makes sense. But So what do you, what would you like to see more in schools or in discussion about, but it's specifically this, girls with ADHD? So I think it's really important for people to teachers especially, especially like middle school, primary school teachers, to be able to recognize the signs of ADHD because they're seeing these children a lot more than anyone else. And they have the most opportunity to see symptoms because a classroom situation is where ADHD comes out the most, I think. And it's also really important to stay up to date about like what's going on with ADHD because a lot of people, even doctors, don't actually know what the current medical standard is. Um, For example, ADD is not a thing anymore. It's just ADHD and ADD has kind of been taken off the medical register and no one knows that. So then people are like, oh, you probably have ADD, not ADHD. And I just have to smile and nod. But It's just like there are many different kinds of ADHD. There are actually three, not to rant or anything, but there's the hyperactive type and then there's the like 
attention deficit type and then there's combined type. So not everyone who has ADHD is going to be running around in circles around the classroom. Like they could just be really distracted or really disassociated and no one's going to notice that as much as they're going to notice the kid like chatting in the corner. But it is important and there's still someone who needs to be addressed, you know? Yeah. So what did you... What resonated with you when you first started discussing this with your therapist? Like, What parts of your personality did you start to identify as being affected by ADHD? So my very first or one of my first therapy sessions, I was going on this really long rant about forgetting things and how it's not fair because I don't understand how people remember <clears throat> things. Basically, I was like, I don't. A thing with ADHD that a lot of people have is they don't remember to remember things. So it's really hard to get things done. It's like if you tell me to do something later, later I'm not even thinking about it in any form of any way. Like I'm just not remembering to remember it. And I was ranting about that for a really long time about how I don't get it and how no matter what I do, I just can't remember anything. And she was like, kind of just looking, taking notes. And then she was like, Kat, I think you might have ADHD. And I was like, what? Because it didn't, it made sense because a while earlier I was, I don't even know what I was doing, but I was taking a whole bunch of tests on like, do you have ADHD on the internet? And then I totally forgot about that. And then, (laughs) and then later my therapist was like, you definitely have ADHD. And I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, I think a lot of like just forgetting things and executive dysfunction, which is basically just when you cannot do things. Like executive dysfunction feels like if you're sitting in a car and you're trying to start the engine and you just can't, like your your engine has broken down and everyone's like, Cat, just turn the keys. And you're turning the keys, but the engine is not starting. And then you have to call AAA. So, <laughs> yeah. You're listening to Wild Women on KZYX. This is Lux karpov Kinraid, your host, and I'm talking with Kat karpov Kinraid, my daughter, about her experience in the medical system trying to get diagnosed with ADHD as a girl. Thank you, Kat, again for being here. And you were talking about the impact that ADHD had on your life before you knew you had it and even after. Um, what are some of the tools or therapies that have been useful in helping you manage it so that you feel good? Um, so therapy was definitely a really helpful tool and I found it particularly helpful because my therapist is a woman with ADHD. So she definitely understands me a lot more than another therapist might. I really recommend if you're going to go to therapy to get a therapist that is a woman if you're a woman. Male therapists can be good, but personally, that's not for me. And also understanding just the things that are from ADHD and things that aren't from ADHD in my life. Like when I was younger, a lot of anxiety and depression came from ADHD just because it's very stressful to know that you're forgetting something just because you always are, but you don't know what you're forgetting and you don't know how to remember it. And it gives a lot of anxiety because I constantly feel like there's something I'm not doing that I should be doing. And it's definitely impending doom kind of situation. So my therapist has definitely helped me manage systems and figure out how to keep myself calm and remembering things and how to not let my executive dysfunction spiral into like depression, (laughs) which is good. And also find if ADHD is really inhibiting your life a lot, a medication that works is a good idea. I honestly used to not want to be on medication because I thought it would change who I am as a person or make me less of myself. But my therapist told me that if you're on the right medication, 
you should feel more like yourself than you did before, which made me feel a lot better. And it did make me more of myself than I was before because it's a lot nicer when you're in a society that is targeted towards people who aren't you. In a perfect world, I wouldn't have to be on medication because the world would be adjusted for people with ADHD, but it's not. So in order to function in the society that we live in, medication really helps me and finding the right one is really important because the first medication I was on made me so ill. So yeah, that's important to advocate for yourself and not get something that's making you sick or anything. But once you find the right medication and the right dosage, it's really good for you. Yeah. And as uh, as your mom, we also didn't know when you were growing up that to look for different kinds of signs in girls than in boys. And we only kind of knew the the stereotypical, you know, hyperactive little boy trope of this of this spectrum. And and because you were, I mean, we suffered from the same thing that I mean, doctors are now suffering from is because you were so smart, because you were so capable and 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 I know you say you were not well behaved in classrooms, but but that's really not the experience of your teachers or us. Like you were well behaved. Um and you were and are very smart. And uh, so I think it was hard for us to notice those signs too, which is why I'm really glad that you had a therapist that was able to recognize that. And um, I guess if I could advocate for anything on this show today is that parents uh, look up these signs, pay attention to these signs and you know check in with your kids because what a lot of us grew up thinking were the signs and symptoms of various um, mental or physical health ailments are not, especially if you have girls or um, kids who don't fall into the, the the dual, the binary gender spectrum. You need to be more paying more attention to what could be slipping through the cracks. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of parents don't want to think that their kids have ADHD or autism or anything like that, but it's not like getting diagnosed with something isn't going to change who your kid is. It's the same kid. They're just now able to realize that they have a community and that they don't have to be like people who are neurotypical and they can be who they are and be happy. Because a lot of people were like, you don't have ADHD, don't worry. And it was like, I'm not worried that I have ADHD. I'm worried I don't have ADHD and that there's something wrong with me that can't be explained. So it's ADHD is not something bad. It's something really nice to know about yourself. And diagnosis is a really important and good thing to have. It's not a bad thing. No, it gives you tools and resources as well. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Kat. We really appreciate you. I especially. <laughs> and you're listening to Wild Women with Lux Karpov-Kinraid, your host. This was Kat Karpov-Kinraid talking about her experiences in medicine and getting diagnosed with ADHD. Earlier this evening, we spoke with Dr. Iris Crawford about uh, the systemic problems of women getting proper testing and diagnosis based on standards that were not made for them. You can listen to our show the fifth Friday of every month that there is a fifth Friday at 7 p.m. And we appreciate you. Thank you so much. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.